0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: Welcome to the RoadWire Prospect Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson, and this week unsurprisingly we will be recapping the mlb draft and i got my buddy jeff Ponce from baseball america to to help me with that uh we'll have a big update to the top 400 prospect rankings next week uh really excited for that one there's just going to be a ton of additions i mean obviously the the draftees and but there's going to be you know 50 60 plus additions that weren't even part of this draft class uh just so much has been happening over the past uh six weeks or so but uh jeff uh really appreciate you taking the time to to be on how are you doing
2: pretty good man yeah it's been uh it's been a whirlwind a uh, couple of days uh you know I was out watching games in the cape <laughs> about a week ago and uh flew out last thursday to los angeles um did a prospect pad event that we do before the futures game interview players, etc. I was telling you a little bit about that off air. Um, Saturday was the futures game. Sunday was the draft. You know, Monday, we had the second round um, Tuesday, the third, you know, or, or excuse me, second day, you know, Tuesday, the third day, finishing up the draft. So um, we were busy just, you know, writing reports, all that sort of thing. I flew back on Monday morning, um, you know, back East uh, to Massachusetts. So uh, landed, you know, eight, rested up a little bit and just got right back to writing reports and et cetera yesterday, but we were able to get uh, reports up for all uh, players taken in the first 10 rounds of the draft. We had a a sizable amount that were already ranked, um, you know, within the the top 500, Um, but it was really, really good weekend. Just got to, you know, hang out with uh, and work alongside my coworkers uh, like JJ, you know, Cooper, Kyle Glazer, uh, Savannah McCain, and of course Carlos Calaza who did a a fabulous job. On the pod, pa eh, excuse me on the broadcast. If you watch that in the draft, uh, he's a dapper gentleman. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> props right. to him.
1: Carlos was great. Yeah, yeah, uh, he's amazing. I really appreciate you fitting fitting this in. I mean, from the Cape to L.A. and then you're going back to the Cape today. I Just mm-hmm. really appreciate you taking the time, man. Um, you, I believe, were were you the first person to tweet uh, that Jackson Holiday was going to the O's?
2: I think I might have been. I I saw that later on Twitter. I I had it ready to go. We knew what the pick was a few minutes beforehand. And and I'll I'll say this. Um, I had heard a lot of rumors around, you know, potentially Tamar Johnson, Uh, of course, Drew Jones, as things developed over the week, we kind of had a pretty good certainty that he wasn't going one and that he was going to go two and that, uh, Arizona had, you know, met whatever number it was. Um, but yeah, we had holiday as the pick. We, we had it confirmed. Um, so I, I just, I had it ready to go, uh, <laughs> on my screen. And as soon as, uh, the commissioner walked up there and said, you know, the Baltimore Orioles select Jack and I was click, you know, it was like, all right, it's official. Uh, so I guess, I guess I beat facade maybe by like a millisecond, but uh, it didn't much matter. My my tweet did not did not do the numbers that the did. So <laughs> did I win in the end?
1: Um, and then you also, I, I think, uh, wisely predicted the Texas double tap of the Boris pitchers. Um, when we, you know, we we obviously had the sort of surprise that Rocker yeah. went third, uh, but then in hindsight i mean really kind of almost as soon as that happened i was just like oh of course of course that's what texas would do like it just it just made like i don't know if it's it's not necessarily what i would have done but it it just <laughs> made so much sense that that's what they would have done and um you know a perfect guy to take third and go way under slot on right because you know he he probably could have slipped uh, quite a ways if he hadn't gone there and then you you save a ton of money and uh, you get Brock Porter. Um, what did you think of, I mean, we'll, we'll get to the, the exciting hitters and everything, but what did you think yep. of that decision by, by Texas in terms of how they allocated those funds?
2: Yeah. I think the other thing to, um, you know, keep in mind when we discuss Texas's draft and what's, what I think was, you know, smart about it is they only had three picks in the first five rounds, um, you know, within the, the, the top, 10 rounds they had what eight picks in total um so they had that big bonus up top and what they were able to do is in my opinion get arguably i don't i don't think there's too many people that you know had public boards that would really disagree with this but they got two top 20 players and i think you could argue the best college arm potentially and the best high school arm potentially In this class um you know neither of those statements are all that far off from the top porter was ranked within the top two to three i think in a lot of boards as a prep arm um you know kumar rocker performed and and looked like himself um and i think he was within that top you know two to three four arms especially in this college pitching class which has obviously just been ravaged by injury um so his his injury concerns were really no no different they're a little different but but not you know on on the surface too much different so i i thought it made a lot of sense i had some information coming out of uh day one of the draft that this is what was going to happen um you know i had heard what the number was for kumar uh and what the bonus was i knew they were both boris clients um and so i felt pretty comfortable to put it out there um in a speculative measure without necessarily like full confirmation but i knew that this was something that was developing and could happen pretty quickly and uh Remember, I think I was walking onto the plane uh, at LAX and checked my phone and <laughs> there was the pick, you know, Brock Porter went uh, 109 to Texas. So I think it was a really good strategy for them because, like I said, they were limited in terms of picks, but not necessarily in terms of bonus. If they allocated it right at the top of the draft, they did so. Uh, they were able to pull that down. And, then you know, I thought there for me, I, I really like their um, their seventh rounder, Louis Ramirez. Um, you know, right-handed pitcher out of Long Beach State. We saw him pitch pretty well at the beginning of the season. Um, he pitched really well for me on the Cape last summer. A couple of times that I saw him, um, you know, just a good three-pitch mix, he can execute. So I thought they grabbed some other guys that were interesting as well. So, um, you know, it wasn't all just, you know, those two picks. I thought they, they did pretty well to add some, some arms into the system. They went um, with a couple of position guys, but they were really, really heavy. Uh, in terms of the, you know, going after pitching and and college pitching in particular. Yeah, no,
1: absolutely. I mean, they're, they're doing everything they can to, to develop pitching and bring in uh, high end pitching. Mm -hmm. Um, so the O's go with Jackson Holiday. And, uh, I think if they'd, if they'd gone with Termar, I might have second guessed the move, but I think Holiday just makes a ton of sense when you kind of look at their org chart and, uh, I think people maybe before the draft were sort of sleeping on just how, uh, how high his ceiling is from a real life standpoint, especially given that he was the only, <clears throat> the only shortstop that was going to stick at shortstop um, mm-hmm. who was in con- consideration to go uh, top five. Uh, what what was your take on that decision by, by Baltimore?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um... You know, I think he was within a group of players at the top of the draft um, that, you know, there's no certainty. And there, there was, a, once again, uh, a really talented uh, positional crop of prep players, um, you know, for me, um, just haven't been around the, the process for, you know, whatever, a year now. And, um, you know, I'm not necessarily somebody that's out at games watching a lot of prep guys you know, I leave that to you know some of my coworkers, some of my colleagues and friends like Brian Sakowski, even for Servino with Perfect Game, who are around these guys for two, three years sometimes, um, and I get a lot of insight from them just because I, I can't replicate that work with all the other things that I'm doing. Um, and you know, they all had different answers. I, I, I think some of them would say that tomorrow was the best prep, prep, prep player. You don't worry n- necessarily about. The positional fit, you, you just look at the bat, the track record, this kid can hit, you know, this was the best player on the college, uh, on this, the prep summer circuit, you know, last summer. Um, there's a lot of people that believe in the athlete and just the long-term explosiveness of a guy like Elijah Green played, you know, IMG Academy, which is the toughest competition you're going you're gonna to face in high school. I mean, it's just, you're, you're more or less like built into a, into a pro athlete uh, at an academy like that, just the way that it works. You know, of course we have Jackson Holiday the bloodlines he added tremendous strength between this time last year at PG National where I think he was sort of on comp round to like early second round radars and just really transformed himself He comes from a big baseball family you know his his grandfather's a coach up here at uh, on the Cape with the Chatham Anglers his uncle you know is, is the head of the uh, Oklahoma State staff you know his father of course is is Matt Holiday you know former MLB all-star. Um so you know he's got the bloodlines and and obviously the work ethic he got a lot stronger i think there's still a lot of projectability in that frame i mean he looks really young he looks like a kid right um shortstop skills are fine you know even if he moves to second base long term i think his actions are good in the dirt so you don't have to worry about that too much there's going to be a position there that's really the big thing right um and you know that's sort that's sort of the group at the top i mean I, I, Cam Collier is a, is a great talent. I like Cam a lot. Um, I don't know if he's right within the cusp of that first group. And I think it's the reason that he went probably, you know, where, the, where he did in the board. Um, but we may look back on this in a year and, you know, he might be a guy that's hitting for, for average getting on base and, and showing some of that, that raw power he shows in batting practice and games. And uh, we could be talking about, you know, a guy that everybody wants, particularly in fantasy, you know?
1: So, the, the thing that I, you know, from a dynasty standpoint, the thing that I just keep thinking about from this draft is just that insane trio of hitting prospects the Diamondbacks now have with Corbin Carroll, Jordan Lawler, and Drew Jones. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I know that there was a time when, like, you know, you had Julio Kelnick and Marte Vimarte, and, and maybe all three of those were, uh, top 10, top 15 dynasty prospects for people. But I wasn't as just really, really excited about that trio as I am this trio that Arizona has. And I'm wondering uh if if you kind of agree with that or if you can maybe think of a time when a team has had... Because there's been times, you know, the, the Jays had Vlad and Bichette, the Twins had, you know, Buxton and Sano. There's been really... High-end uh, duos of, of position player prospects, but I, I really can't remember a time when I've been this excited about a trio of hitters that that all three just have insanely high ceilings to be from a from a dynasty standpoint.
2: Yeah, um, and that's the thing that's kind of why I left Drew Jones. He's the best player in the draft, um, I think. You know, according to pretty much everyone that you speak yeah. with, or a good a good chunk of it, um, I don't think there's any question there, or at least he's in the conversation projectable um you know power contact um you know obviously center field skills that's just innate and inherited um from his dad so no questions there um i thought it was interesting i was in the call actually with drew after he got picked and he actually credited his maternal grandfather um as i think it was i have to double check in the name but i think it was Derek jackson um was the guy who actually taught him how to swing and, and taught, his, taught him his game because his father was obviously on the road playing professional baseball. And he doesn't really remember the Braves times. It was more like being around like the Yankees clubhouse and that sort of thing. So, real professional mentality. Um, you know, you could almost see him as like a Yankee. Obviously, they didn't pick that high. But just in terms of like very like direct, well-spoken, like very polished. Um, you know, he's a... It, it's it's funny. Someone was saying it. It's like between him and like Tamar, it was like... Trump kids aren't supposed to have interviews that are, like, this good. So, yeah, yeah. I think he's got that, like, other element to it. The tools are all, all there. Jordan Lawler's kind of the same thing. Corbin Carroll's the same thing. I mean, Corbin Carroll, I heard, was, like, a Mensa candidate or something. Like, he, he was, like, you know, had a perfect SAT score. Like, he was – he's just a really, like, interesting, like, engaging guy. Um, got to chat with him for a minute or two at the prospect pad. But, um, yeah, I mean <laughs> – they have just a, a, a wealth of talent it's like looking back on some of those like maybe like Red Sox systems when but I don't even know if we thought like Mookie and some of those other guys were going to be that high end. but they had like Xander and you know a few others um, Devers, Moncada, um, Benintendi um, that was one that kind of came to mind those Braves around the same time with like Acuna and you know Albies who was better than i think we even thought but we did you know obviously like him a lot so it's it's funny i don't think we've seen you know sort of even when you, you factor in like out thomas like who's a pretty, right. pretty good prospect and outfielder uh they have like a really exciting core there um just of young players uh across the board at the major league level they got our show you know kettle Marte, whatever that is over the next couple of years um you know as things develop here that's uh that's a really loaded system. Um, they did pretty well, and you know, even beyond just just that pick, I thought I thought Arizona did did, did yeah. draft. You know, Landon Sims. I think you could make an argument that he was m- the best college arm in the draft once again once he was healthy. Like, there's so many guys that wore that crown throughout the year. <laughs> that, I love Landon. Sims. Hey, it's a good pick, and then you get Ivan Melendez, who's statistically the best college hitter this season. I don't know how it would translate, but there's power, there's contact, there's approach. He's a good first baseman, um, so we'll see what we'll see what develops there. I mean, it was a good draft for them too.
1: Yeah, I mean, there there are deeper systems than Arizona's. Like I, I was going through Cleveland's system uh, this morning, yeah. and they're just as deep as you can get. Uh, the Rays are just always deep. the Dodgers are always loaded, but I, you know, I think you could maybe argue Arizona is the best system just because of that that high end. I mean, that could be just three, just three of the game's best position players in five years. And, uh, you know, that, that, that Braves, like the, the Acuna Albies, Austin Riley, uh, trio of young guys ended up just being a a monster. But I don't think we thought those guys behind Acuna were quite at that level. Um, It was (laughs) Pache. right right um but yeah i mean I, if i were if i were a diamondbacks fan I, i'm gonna be on uh chris welsh's uh pod tomorrow i'm, I'm sure he's uh, you know over the moon about this it, it's yeah. an exciting time to be a, a d-backs fan um so you know the college guys uh it's 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 kind of a fun crop of college hitters they they don't kind of have the um they don't generate the excitement that those top four prep guys do really but um do you have a a favorite college hitter in this class
2: yeah um you know as we as we go through it um there's a handful of guys here that are all within this conversation for me um you know i think brooks lee of course um switch hitter there's certainly some questions health wise. He's had some back issues over the course of his career, but this guy hit 400 on the cape with power. And he's not a shortstop, but he's an infielder. And I think he's probably fine at third base. He's built like a third baseman. He's got the arm, a stick there. I don't think there's any questions. Um, but he can hit. Um, a lot of contact, easy power, especially from the left side. So it's a strong side, heavy profile for a switch hitter. And he's not a switch hitter, I think, is going to really struggle. Uh, to make a lot of contact Um, he's somebody where it's pretty natural. his father is you know the coach there at Cal Poly so obviously he's been around baseball since the day he could walk uh, or even before that love Gavin Cross um, left-handed bat he's a really good athlete I think he kind of gets undersold on that it's a guy that can play center field Um, if he moves to a corner like right field long term I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing but You know, he's going to be an outfielder long-term. There's no questions there defensively. That's valuable Um, just as a guy moves up and doesn't have to struggle. Can spend time working on his hitting. Um, Hits for power. Uh, You know, you look at the numbers. He hit everywhere. He was really loud at Team USA last year. He was loud here for a few games in the Cape. I mean, just great BPs. He's a guy that I think, you know, has a fairly level swing. He's probably going to be able to, you know, make some adjustments. add some more loft, add some more power to his game uh, as he starts, you know, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't get too freaked out if the ground ball rates are in like the high forties or something early, but he's going to balance, you know, contact approach and power. So uh, they're never going to be bad numbers, but I do like Gavin cross a lot. Um, Kevin Parada. I don't know if he's going to be a catcher. I don't think anyone really does, but um, just in terms of the bat, it's tough to question it. I mean, all he's done since the moment he stepped on the field and, you know, really, even as a pre- as a prep it's just hit you know he's performed the bat's legit he added strength this year which added power to his game there's bat speed there's fields to hit there's approach i don't have too many questions there i like jace young a lot um josh's younger brother i liked him out here on the while he was here for a few weeks um i knew he was bad down the stretch i don't know if there was an injury or something i think he hit like 220 or something the last month of the season but He's got a track record. He's hit for a long time. There's pedigree. Um, and he comes from a family of, you know, uh, another guy that can that can obviously hit. Unfortunately, he's been injured. But that's another story. Love Zach now. He's explosive. Uh, plays a passionate brand of baseball. He's a true, you know, shortstop. This guy's a six defender at short. He's got a great arm. You know, he was coming on for his team and closing games for the Camels uh, this spring. Um, really gritty kid. Um Loves to hit. I think there's funky, funky swing. It's uh, definitely got a fair amount of loft built into the bat path, but uh, he makes a lot of contact. He knows how to adjust. I mean, the guy hit like 400 this year. Obviously knows how to hit. Had he not gotten injured um, on the Cape, maybe the third week of the season, he really severely injured his ankle. I don't think he broke it. I think he sprained it pretty badly. Um, He probably takes the best player on the Cape Award from from Chase DeLotter just simply because he was a shortstop and was doing the same things that DeLotter was doing. Uh, talk about Gutty. Comes back um, probably like 80%, 90%, and uh, plays shortstop and uh, helps his team win the, the Cape Cod League Championship last year. So there's some intangibles there as well, uh, like a scrappy player. So he's probably the last guy that I'd mention there. I do like the but I think there's some questions just, just with the swing, how he's going to hit pro pitching, uh, particularly left on left. Um, but the abilities across the board really good. And I don't think he's going to be a bad value or a bad target. Um, even in shallower dynasty leagues where, you know, maybe you draft 24 to 30 um, FYPD guys with the Jade, you know, with the international kids mixed in. I still think he's somebody that's going to be drafted hundred percent across the board, but uh, just maybe not in that top group. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I- it's interesting with uh, with Neto and DeLauder, you obviously saw both of them on the Cape. And uh, just from, uh, you know, I when I first started watching video on those two, I wasn't that, um, like, I had some questions. Obviously, you mentioned sort of Neto's uh, uh, funkiness um, uh, pre-pitch, but, you know, the numbers are off the charts and i haven't really spoken to anyone whose opinion i value who doesn't love Neto. uh and then delauder um i do have questions about how he would handle uh, premium velocity and whether or not he is just going to end up being a strong side platoon guy but another guy where uh you know played at both those guys played at didn't didn't face great uh
2: competition but the numbers are pretty insane with him too um yeah, and he saw he saw a lot of velo on the cape i mean he saw good pitching on the cape um lauder and it's just it, it's one of those things where um I, I think like he's just a super twitchy explosive athlete that hasn't had like wasn't in a big program you know i think the right player development department Particularly Cleveland's uh, gets their their mitts on him and he sort of can iron out some of the stuff that um, he needs sort of fixed. But there's so much that he does well, and let's not I, like he's not a big swing and miss guy. I think that like I everyone saw him in FSU that first weekend and he he struck out against like Parker Meadows <laughs> and Bryce Hubbard who were like. One one was a day one guy. The other one was like early day two, like within the first ten picks of day two. Like these are like these these are legitimate arms at home opening weekend, and he has no protection in his lineup. Um, I think he's actually you know probably a guy that that could make a pretty big jump, uh, just simply because this guy was like you know a three sport athlete, like a, a true three sport athlete that you know kind of got lost in the shuffle and didn't go to a lot of premier sort of prep events stuff like that showcase things because he was playing other sports um then once he committed you know and he was a two-way guy for his first year or so too so there's some things with the lottery where it's kind of like you know i don't want to i don't want to get too lost in just like a small sample you know um just because he's a like he's a freaky athlete like he's like somebody that would play you know linebacker or something he's huge and just like is a 60 plus runner with you know explosiveness etc
1: yeah i just i i do you so just from watching video it just seemed like the swing was long is that is that unfair
2: um he he, it's funny because his bats in the zone for a long time I, i think part of that is sort of like his path isn't um super lofty like it's it's kind of moderately lofty i'll say uh where he also kind of likes the way his front end kind of like his explosiveness with his gait is like so quick um and it's not like in a way that he's he's cheating on it like he it's short in some of those mechanisms um but I, i i think there's certain pitch locations that can probably you know get him like if you're if you're a guy that's able to like land your 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 breaking stuff sort of lowing in on him, um, he has trouble adjusting to that at times. And I think that's what you saw like left on, with two lefties like with Messick and and Hubbard, you know, being able to sort of land the breaking stuff there or like fastballs high. So um, it's it's tough because I saw him so good for like 13 games. I mean, he was the you know, other than Brock Wilkin, he was probably the best player in the Cape. And as an overall prospect, he was probably the best player on the Cape last summer. Um, and he still hit after that opening weekend. You know, like the numbers were still, like, some of the best in the country prior to him getting injured. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that, you know, it's kind of like Colton Kauser now, right? Like, smaller school guy, super tooled up, has, like, all these different abilities at the plate. But there's, like, some question to, like, some of the stuff that he does – struggles a little bit and then like figure some things out um, makes a couple of small adjustments. They call him up to double a. And I mean, he's just been rocket since they, they promoted him. Uh, I, you know, the numbers are like significantly better than they were. His strikeout rate is down. He's already got more homers and double a in like 16 games, you know? So sometimes I think it's just a matter of like ironing out the kinks for some of those guys that didn't come from an Arkansas or an SEC powerhouse that has like all the best facilities, all the best development, all the best food, you know, it's just, it's a different experience, you know? So speaking of,
1: you know, SEC powerhouse, one guy you didn't mention was Jacob Berry. Uh, He was only at LSU for one year, I believe, but uh, he was the first college hitter off the board. And, uh, you know, I think – from a fantasy standpoint, it's almost surprising he was the first hitter off the board, just given all the concerns about his defense. But uh, I haven't really heard anyone question the bat. Was there? Did you leave him out on purpose?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that. Um, well, I, I I have to see what the numbers are and you know what he signs for. I'm just not the biggest Jacob Berry fan. Um, when we're talking about some of the guys in this draft between the prep players and. Some of these college guys that are a little bit more twitchy, um, like to me, Brooks Lee and Jacob Berry, similar switch hitters with power. I'll take Brooks Lee, (laughs) you know, Um, Berry's right there. But, you know, I also think that there's some level uh, of concern for me, kind of like. It has to be so good for that to work. Because he's like he, he can't play third base. He's a he, he's a first baseman at best, and it might be a DH. Um, he really has to hit, and there's just like I don't think he's gonna swing and miss like this, but like I don't know. There's just like Zach Collins vibes for me. Um, like I I I just feel like it's just such a bat heavy profile. Um. I don't know. I mean, he's probably going to end up being a top 100 prospect and a superstar, Like right? Just because I said this and I'm going to be here <laughs> on, a year from now. Like, yeah, you know, Jacob Berry is a top 50 guy in fantasy. He can hit. There's no doubt about it. He hit at Arizona. He hit when he went to LSU. He hit at the collegiate national. Um, but how much better can he get? Like, he's going to add that much more power. Is he going to become a better contact hitter than he is? Um And there's a lot of good college hitters that had similar numbers across the board. When you do some of those blind comparisons. So um, for me, I I would have been comfortable taking Barry at like 16 to like 25. I I, I would be fine uh, in a real draft setting. uh, Six was a little rich for my blood, but um, I get it. You know, there's a strategy there and and I'm certainly not in the room um, or professional. So, you know, I'm not knocking it at all. He was one of the top college hitters in the class, and there might even be some people in in fantasy rankings that have him within the top three or four hitters in the draft. I don't, maybe even as a top college hitter. I mean, he was the top college hitter drafted. So, um, <laughs> well, so- I can argue with there. It was higher than I would have I would have anticipated, but we kind of knew that was what was going to happen.
1: I'll take barry uh we we should do a bet we should bet like a, we've never gotten a hangout in person, but um we should do a bet on Barry versus gavin cross uh I'll take that for for dinner or something um I'll take that all right let's do it uh so
2: what's the what's the window here
1: <laughs> um well i think i think in uh
2: like the first one to be a top 100 fantasy player,
1: I think. Um, with these two being, you know, top 10 college draftees, like I think within like three years, we should probably have a pretty good idea who who won that bet. Um,
2: yeah, I agree. Twenty uh, twenty-five uh, dinner.
1: When uh, we let's let's head to a quick break uh, and get a message from our sponsors here. But when we come back, I'm gonna take a uh, a mini victory lap.
3: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new health care regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to
0: wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All
1: right. So, Jeff, you uh, were the, I believe, the inventor of the Prospects Live mock draft is that is that true yes has anyone had a better pick than my eric brown pick of the brewers at at number 27 this year
2: um yeah my cooper jerby pick uh <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't picking for the cardinals um yeah man that was that was spot on and a couple years ago you took kevin parada um i think in the 2020 draft so You've been doing pretty well. You've gotten really good value. And I, I love Eric Brown. Um, you know, I think he's another guy that is kind of like in that next group of college hitters, but isn't all that far off. Um, Spencer Jones is another one. But yeah, man, you really nailed that one, huh?
1: I went and I looked that, that night to just double check and... Of all 30 picks in this year's Prospects Live Draft, I was the only person to get it correct, and it was at 27 on a player who I don't think was ranked as a top 50 prospect anywhere. So Should have uh, been, though.
2: I was hollering about that. I think he was on perfect game. Perfect game awesome. was, I think those guys listened to me coming out of the cape. and he snuck into the B.A. top 50, but I think he was like 47 or 40, 39, somewhere in that range at the end. He was a guy I was tracking because like he was like I was blowing up Carlos in like you know in Slack like dude Eric Brown he's got to be higher I'm telling you first round pick it's gonna happen
1: I I remember you you you're probably right that he did sneak in I remember uh, <laughs> I the end a week or two ago I think he was in the fifties but yeah. um so what uh what can people expect from him from a like because I, I remember texting you a couple of weeks ago and you said you clocked him as a plus runner. I don't know if anywhere has him actually listed as a plus runner. Um,
2: it's and- not necessarily consistent, but he, he flashes plus run times. Like he, okay. it, moving isn't an issue. Um, he could steal bases. He played for Mike Roberts, um, which is Brian Roberts down in, in, on the Cape, um, former UNC head coach. If you're familiar with it, he actually wrote like what's considered the Bible of base running. Uh, Mike Roberts did. And his teams like to run and, The guys that hit the top of his order like Brown did and, um, sort of the leaders on his squads typically always can run. They have Enrique Bradfield coming in today. I'm going to see that. Uh, so like Brown can run like, you know, even if it's like consistent 55s, because he runs some fifties, that's fine. But I've seen him busted out of the, out of the gate and, um, really strong lower half. He's a good athlete. Um, I don't think he's got the arm for shortstop, but he's fine at second base. Like he'd be, he could be a really good defensive second baseman, you know, moving to both directions. He knows how to make that turn. That throw is perfectly fine with his arm. Um, there's good appro- approach. You know, the, the numbers back this up. He doesn't expand the zone. doesn't swing and miss a lot. It's an unusual setup. Once you get past that and you actually watch what he does in games over a large sample, and I mean, he's another guy that I saw a ton because Katuit went deep into the playoffs. So I saw a lot of those games. I'm around to organization. So I have some insight just the type of kid he is been on the field with him, you know, multiple times. Um, he just gets his barrel in the best positions. He gets in great hitting positions. You slow down his video. I've had plenty of, of open face shots that I've, I've dropped over the last couple of uh, last year or so of him. Um, but you just see where his hands are in position and you know, his gait, just everything is, is aligned and I, I swear every game he would have some barrel contact off the bat. He may pull it sometimes a little bit. Um, and so it may end up going foul. But this, I think he sent more balls out of the park that were just barely fouled down the line uh, in some of these Cape parks than anybody. And he showed some power. I think he's going to show more. Um, and, you know, there might be some adjustments that get made to that load. But you go back and you look at, Bo Bichette swing uh he was a little bit younger but you know as a prep player very similar kind of really high hands kind of an unusual setup we got some of that uh in line with him they both have a lot of bat speed um and yeah I like I like Eric Brown just as a I think he's going to be a great fantasy value because he's probably not going to get shoved up a ton of lists with the prep kids and the high-end you know college guys and um you can, you can sneak them probably toward the end, you know, the, the back end of the first round if you're, like, a competing team. Um, one of those guys where, you know, you just let the good players fall to you and let it play pay dividends. It's a great place to be in FYPD. I'm not going to lie. Just let the guys fall and be like, God, I didn't think this guy would be here. That's yep. where the rich get richer in these drafts.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, I, I do want to talk about uh, Cooper Jerpy in a second, uh, but you've you you were you've been doing some uh, really interesting... A research just in terms of uh how amateur pitchers tend to add velocity once mm-hmm. they get a pro ball and uh, when you first kind of mentioned that to me uh anecdotally it, it just totally checks out right like you, there's just so many examples you can think of um can you kind of talk about that research and uh maybe if there's any pitchers who you think it it absolutely is going to apply to in, in this year's class.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, I the the thing that we I really tried to focus on was college pitchers in particular. Um, because it's hard for us to really know what some of these prep kids sit in game. Like if we had high school data of like their high school spring season, then I would be able to really measure it. Um, I think what we see in the high school side is the guys that throw 89 and 91 but have good mechanics and projectable bodies. Those are the guys that have velocity. The guys that are sitting 95 to 99, whatever, plus, they can lose a few ticks as they go on. A lot of them deal with injuries, too. Um, so sometimes that's like a warning sign, like those those hard-throwing right-handers. You hmm. know? Um, we have numerous examples. So college guys are a little different. And I think it's because those guys, in particular, develop at so many different rates. They're not the guys that necessarily are peaking physically at 18 years old. It's a lot of the time why they get to school. A lot of the time, it's why they get to schools that aren't necessarily power five schools or high end power five schools. And we just talked about earlier, the amount of training and, and nutrition. Some of these guys go to schools where they actually have to be students, believe it or not. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know,
2: That's insane. I know, imagine. Um, so, you know, you start to look at it and there are so many examples. So when I, when I dug into it and we looked at, The sample that I grabbed is because 2020, in terms of the draft, was limited but to five rounds. So I picked the first 50 college pitchers taken, figuring they had some pedigree. They were guys that were considered pretty good. Um, and more more often than not, we're going to have the backing of their team in the early stages of their pro development because there was some money, some bonus money that was put out. teams want to get some value out of that. Right. It's a a pretty easy thing to, to assume they're not, you know, late, late round guys. They took a shot on that an area guy liked or whatever that maybe has to, you know, do a little bit, unfortunately more of the work themselves. It's not how it always is, but there's certainly some examples and, you know, you can go and if you follow minor league baseball, I'm sure there's, there's plenty that you can pick out. But so I figured top 50 guys in 2019 and 2020, and I sort of combined them. I took a look at what their average velocity was, uh, in their draft spring. Um, now sometimes like a guy like Graham Stitson was down a lot in his draft spring. So, you know, I, I wanted to bring that up as well. I kind of gave some examples within the article, some guys who were kind of outliers and like, Hey, they're in this numbers. I concluded them, but let's also consider this, but just on its face, um, of those hundred players, 57 added, um, velocity. Um, I think that, you know, uh, or well, maybe it was it was more than that. 67, 67 after added velocity. It was 50 players that added a mile per hour or more. There were 27 that added two miles per hour or more. Um, which was was in my even to me, like having followed it and kind of like thought, hey, all these guys are adding velocity, it was still shocking. And we didn't factor in the 2021 class where there's a bunch of guys like Gordon Grisepo who's added like Five miles per hour of velocity as well as others um and there's still some to come i'm sure so it was really um amazing to see like over a quarter added multiple ticks onto their velocity there's some guys like matt brash that added like four or five um which to me kind of kind of was interesting to take a step back and look at brash after his struggles and think this guy moved so quick his stuff took such a big jump you know maybe there's still some time for him to to figure some things out, even if it's as a reliever Um, just because he's only had that stuff for such a short window of time, especially when you consider the 2020 shutdown and, you know, when he got drafted, et cetera. So yeah, there were a lot of guys that it was like, all right. um, So who can, who can add velocity in this class? Um, You know, Kumar is already there in terms of velocity. I don't necessarily know if he needs, he needs to Kate Horton is, like a year removed from TJS or whatever. Um, And I think if you look at some of his early numbers in the spring, they weren't great, but they were almost like rehab outings. Once it all sort of came together and his best velocity was there and clicked, he's a guy I think if we just looked at his like playoff velocity average, it probably will maybe jump a little bit, but not a ton. If we look at like his, his total draft spring average of the entire season. I bet next year he's going to, or even this year, he's going to be up like two miles per hour. He's going to be up a little bit um, because he has legitimate arm strength. Um, Jerpy is a guy that, as I mentioned in the article, when he came out of driveline last year and he didn't do velocity training, I wanted to make that sort of clear. He went there to improve his slider shape and make his, his change up his off speed. little bit sharper. So that's all he did is his program was focused on, but they do a lot of the biomechanical stuff and they work on some of those, you know, uh, tweaks in terms of your mechanics to get you a little bit more direct and more efficient. And he hit 98, um, in a short stint in the fall. And he's been up more than that. So, you know, he's a guy that can add two to three miles per, per hour without losing any of that shape and, and, um, deception that he has, him at two to three is like other guys at like five to six just just in terms of how that fastball plays and he's got the change up to play off of it and he's got the slider that sweeps so he's got all these different weapons that he can utilize and he's a really intelligent kid i was excited to get you know an opportunity to talk to him for a little bit um and just about his approach and things that he's looking forward to um, pro ball is actually the day before the draft or two days before the draft that i talked to i talked to cooper it was like the last thing i did and then finished the article and we, we had it posted within an hour. Um, other guys that could potentially add velo, you know, we'll see with Sims. I mean, he's, he was a reliever earlier. Um, he was throwing hard this summer. Thomas Harrington seems like a guy that could potentially add velocity coming from a smaller school. He was a teammate of Zach Netto's at, uh, at Campbell. He's a guy that can add velo. Justin Campbell could absolutely add velocity. Jake, uh, Jake Bennett, I think. Hunter Barco, we were kind of starting to see him add a little velo. Prellip only has 40 college innings. Uh, I mean, he was younger. I think he'll probably end up being up. He kind of fits into that mold of like a Spencer Steer, a guy that was injured but had stuff. And so we never really saw um, the high amount of power that he had. Uh, Adam Mazers is really talented. Parker Messick's a guy that could add velocity. And the last one I'll say is uh, Bryce Hubbard, who I absolutely love. He's one of my favorite pitchers in the draft. Really engaging kid. Has an incredible understanding of pitching, metrics, training, what he's doing when he's out there. And I think with, with professional game calling in an organization that regardless of, you know, um, some of the shakeups that the Reds have had over the last year, they still have internally like Eric Jagers and some of these guys, Johnson, who are incredible pitching instructors um, that really have helped a lot of their arms develop into better pitchers. I think Bryce Hubbard could not only add velocity, I think we're going to see the variation of of breaking balls that I saw on the Cape last year that just frankly weren't as called as much. You know, if you have an old school uh, manager, which Martin, who's no longer there, kind of falls in line with that, who's calling one all the time and you're just throwing 60, 70% fastballs, you're going to get hit eventually because guys can hit fastballs. He's got a good one. He adds a couple ticks and they let him throw his secondaries a little bit more because he's got two variations of the curveball um, One that's a little bit um, more, has more depth, a little bit slower. One that's a little bit harder. And then he's got a sweep and slider that he was showing on the Cape last year. He didn't throw as much this, uh, this spring. I really think this is a kid that can develop into a really interesting, like maybe a mid rotation arm, maybe a number four. He's a little bit undersized, but he's a lefty. He's a bulldog. He's a competitor. Uh, and he's a smart kid that knows what he's doing. So um, Harvard's my guy. So I'm going to beat the drum on that one. Again, it was a great pick by Cincinnati. So back to
1: Drippy uh, quickly, because you, you sold me offline uh, maybe a week or two ago about his uh, secondaries, just because I, I raised some concerns about the average velocity on his secondaries. And, um, you know, after talking it out with you, you sold me on the slider uh, specifically, um, is he for first-year player drafts? Is he your top pitcher in this class?
2: Oof, um,
1: <laughs> you
2: know, uh,
1: uh, my rocker is going to probably have the highest first-year player draft ADP among pitchers. I think, just especially with him going third and I, I went... think
2: it's going to be rocker. Um, but man, I don't know. You know, I, the, the health stuff scares me a little bit um and some of the things that i've heard uh and i'm sure you know more and more is uh, still coming to light just with some of the stuff we went through the shoulder etc um so it scares me a little bit um you know i i think as as far as the college pitchers you can make a case for kate horton um i'm crazy enough to, to take cooper jerby over over kumar rocker frankly um i don't know if everybody else is going to be um, I, I I don't mind being you know standing alone like the cheese on that one, but <laughs> <laughs> the nice thing. yeah it's it's funny because he's such he's the kind of guy where like once again like I'm happy to sit at the back end of a of a first year player draft and yeah, oh, yeah. And take therapy like let him fall into my lap with somebody else. it's good but I think like the top guys should probably be Dylan Lusko and Owen Murphy in terms of like who you're going to draft for upside and we've seen the top. Prep arms over the last couple of years, by and large, have been pretty good. They've at least gotten to the major leagues, you know, even dating back to like Matthew Libertor. Um, I have like one league I think I held on to Libertor in, and like, yeah, I mean, he's just kind of touching the majors now, but probably will be a starter and like you're going to get some innings out of it. And there's some trade value that, and that especially in like deeper leagues, like we play in 20 plus and 30s, you know, you need arms. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'd still go with, like, the prep arms over these guys. But, um, yeah, I, I like I like Jerpy and Cade Horton as much as any of them. Cade Horton just has probably the highest upside, just based on pure stuff. You know, even as a Jerpy fan, it's hard for me to, to deny that. Like, that's that guy had nasty stuff. Like, he was tremendous yeah. in the playoffs. And we saw how good that fastball and slider combination could be. And I think he's got the possibility to possibly develop, you know, a third pitch more uh, the further and further he, he, away from surgery he is. So. I'm really interested to see what he does and the, the Cubs have been pretty good with, with development over the last couple of years.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Horton doing obviously peaked late, but he also peaked against really, really good hitters. Uh, and yeah. so, I mean, on the biggest stage, <laughs> it's nice, you know, for first year player drafts, like I think the best value is often on the pitching side of, because people, you know, people want to take hitters and, uh, if you kind of identify someone like jerpy, I, I, also, uh, I love Brandon Barriera who went to Toronto. I think that's a great landing spot for him. Yep. Oh yeah. Another one. If you identify a pitcher who you really like, uh, that's not sort of in the Jack lighter type of, in, in terms of hype, um, you know, cause people sure. take a Jack lighter top five, top six, people are probably going to take a Kumar rocker top five, top six. But if you can identify a pitcher that you love, who's going to be there at pick fifteen or pick twenty-two of your first-year player draft, to me, that's where the value is. I mean, that's yeah. that's where you could get guys like Alec Manoa and George Kirby uh, in past years, um, because everyone wants to chase the the high upside guys. And um, you know, to me, I'd I would probably I would take the college guys. I think over the the prep guys that you mentioned even though you know maybe they they do i mean lesko has just a ridiculously high ceiling um,
2: yeah i mean he, obviously you know you might get the discount there because of the the injury but lesko is one of those guys where it's just really hard for me to remove the fact that this is one of the best prep arms we've seen and then take a step back and say like andrew painter you know been pretty good Mick Abel, been pretty good. We've seen a lot of these like top prep arms have been like, all right, like there's, you know, there's legitimate stuff there There, you know, it, it's translating. And um, he was I, so high in. I just, I, I think he was, he's been sort of groomed for this for two years. And um, unfortunately he had the injury because that last start he had at NHSI was an absolute like breakout, you know, everyone was like ranting and raving it's up on the baseball America site. And uh, I mean, he looked awesome. I mean he looked like he was gonna go in the top five.
1: (laughs) I just don't like waiting. I I don't like I don't like having to wait three or four years on a Mm. pitching prospect that I have to take that I have to take like top twenty in a first year player draft. Like if I get you know, like I could probably get Barriera and pick thirty in a first year player draft, and that's that's yeah, you probably
2: can. Um, you know, and I think that's why like I tend to kind of operate on the fringes here too, where like a lot of my second and third round picks and drafts and fourth round picks are from the pitching classes, whether it's, you know, I would target a guy like Robbie Snelling um, is another prep guy I named all the, the college guys that I like. Um, but like Adam Mazer is probably going to be underrated from Iowa. You'll be able to get him like pretty, pretty late. Um, Cole Phillips, another guy from um, the prep arm, but like has a ton of insane stuff. So like, yeah, you might wait a few years on that, but then, there's plenty of college guys that are, you know, sort of hanging around the back end too. Like Drew Thorpe is pretty good. Um, you know, like I said, Connor Prelip, if, if he's back and healthy and throwing, he was a guy that was considered the top 10 pick at points in this this cycle really early on a few years ago before the injuries, you know. Uh, Justin Campbell has a ton of upside. He's a big, you know, six foot seven guy that was a, a two-way player up until this year. Um, Landon Sims, you know. So it's just like, there's so much value in the college classes in general. Um that I think, you know, even beyond the first couple of rounds, there's gonna be a couple of guys, you know, that potentially pop. Um, Andrew, Andrew Taylor, you know, is another one. Um there's a bunch. I'm
1: it, what do you think about uh Carson Wisenhunt? Because
2: obviously he was uh Yeah. You, did you see him on the Cape? I saw his opening start and got COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I, I I I I tested positive like two days later and it was like like a dozen scouts i know all like i got, got sick at that game in chatham but yeah i saw him against Cam Collier actually um and then like i i just was plugged in with scouts and and track man etc that saw other starts so fastball command for me was bad uh he flashed the change up um he didn't throw many good curveballs uh I mean, it's still there. Like, there's three potential average or better pitches. Uh, this the, the changeup's probably plus. Um, fastball could be above average. Um, I've, I've heard that there was one start where he was throwing good breaking balls, but everything else was off. He never really put it together. Um, so, like, the pitchability side of it wasn't necessarily there. The execution side of it wasn't there. Um, but, I mean, the – the physic like, he's still pretty physical. Um, and – yeah, I, I think, you know, with San Francisco and uh, they've done a pretty good job with pitching development. They got another kid that I really like, uh, Will Kempner, who throws like 95 to 99 miles per hour from like a true like slide up, like slide um, sidearm slot. Like he's like way down here, you know. Um, it's almost like a submarine delivery. Like he he throws heat. Um, so San Francisco like kind of went after some interesting arms. They got Ready Crawford, who... When all said and done, if, if, if Reggie is healthy and you know he signs, number one, but Reggie's healthy um, and we actually see him develop as a pitcher because he's had such little track record as a pitcher. And I've seen him pitch in high school. I saw him pitch over the 2020 pandemic in the Futures League. I saw him pitch uh, last summer before he went to uh, the college national team. He's got like a 25 to 2600 RPM fastball that – you know, sits ninety-seven and ninety-nine with nineteen inches of induced vertical break. Like he's a freak fastball. It's an alien fastball. There aren't many fastballs like that, like in the world anywhere. Uh, and then he's got a hammer curveball that's like twenty-eight hundred RPMs. Absolutely drops off of a table. He throws it hard. There's probably more velocity there. And he's barely been developed as a pitcher. He's mostly been a power-hitting first baseman where. Oh yeah, he's probably got 70 raw power as well. There's some swing and miss there, but you know, so I don't know how they develop him. I don't know if he's going to stay as a a two-way guy, but he has the potential to be the best college pitcher in the draft. He's a guy that in in fantasy, I honestly, if he's sitting there like, you know, middle of your second round or something, you know, um, start of your third, I'd take a flyer on Reggie Crawford. There's like a ton of upside there. Um, and even some upside is like a two-way guy. Uh, and I think that's where like there's there's depth in, in this class. Like you go into the fourth round, there's guys like uh, Jake Madden, who is a, a, a Juco dude, 6'6", really good stuff. If the command is there, man, he's like great, you know. Um, so, you know, the Angels have been pretty good with pitching development over the last year or so, moving these guys along quickly. Is he a guy that could, that could click? Uh, Alex McFarlane has insane stuff. You know, if that could really click, if Trey Dombrowski gets his velocity up, that could be good. Spencer Miles had big stuff uh, out of Missouri. Uh, he, was another San Francisco, he was a San Francisco pick. There's so many guys in, like, this three- to six-round range that, like, it's one of the reasons I love 30-team leagues and really deep leagues with with deeper minor mm-hmm. league systems because those are the guys that I really like to take chances on. I mean, Ricky Tiedemann would have been one of, one of those guys last year. Yeah. You know? um and that's where the true values, I think, come from. And some sometimes it might just be a guy that shows up in pro ball and still has some innings left in his arm and absolutely shoves an A ball um, and gets on our radar. You know.
1: So let's uh, let's close out with uh, I want to ask you about three more hitters. Uh, I'm actually going to just lump them all in on the same question, and you can kind of um, go where you want. But uh, I was already, you know, I was already kind of. Uh, getting pretty high on Sterling Thompson and then he lands with Colorado and I'm excited about the the batting average potential there uh, especially if he can tap in more power I hadn't really done much prep on Spencer Jones or Xavier Isaac but I think the the Jones landing with the Yankees is a really interesting fit uh, given that they've developed you know Aaron Judge and uh, obviously, that's a, a type of player they love lefties in, in Yankee Stadium, obviously, that's that's great. And then just watching video on Xavier Isaac, uh, I'm I'm in, I'm I'm in on Xavier Isaac. I know that that was kind of considered a a reach in real life, uh, but uh, just you know that that type of raw power, um, it's pretty alluring. Uh, do you have any thoughts on on Thompson or Jones or Isaac?
2: Yeah, um, in terms of Jones, I saw Jones a lot last year in the Cape Cod League. Uh, he was a teammate of Netto's. Um, power is unbelievable. And he's a guy, a two way guy uh, as a prep, um, kind of finally was fully developed as a hitter over the last year or two. And we've seen him make tremendous growth in leaps and bounds. Doesn't chase all that much. Um, obviously, he's six foot seven. I mean, he's massive. He can cover the plate and then some if he needs to. Uh, just a matter of ironing out the swing and miss as would be expected with someone with levers that are that long. Um, he's an unbelievable athlete. He's a plus runner. Um, he can play center field. He's got an arm. It's still coming back. He had, you know, an elbow issue. And, and that's one of the skills that, um, you know, potentially could blossom. I mean, we could see a guy that gets that arm strength back all the way. It doesn't always happen with, with outfielders. outfielders, um, But if he does and he gets back to having even like an above average to, to maybe plus arm in the outfield, Gonna be able to play anywhere Um, in terms of range. Like he's got plenty of range. Uh, You know, it 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 doesn't make sense, but he's a good base stealer. You know, this is a six foot seven, two hundred and thirty pound man. Um, And when he gets into the ball, I mean, he just actually absolutely cranks it. He's a left-handed bat as well, left-handed throwing. So if he had to move to first base long term, um, that's not gonna be an issue. He'll fit that profile, though. I don't think he'll slow down that much. He'd be a really athletic first baseman. He's a really interesting player. There's a ton of upside there. Excited to see how the Yankees develop him. Um, And then, uh, who was the first one that you mentioned? Sorry, Sterling Thompson, Florida. Oh, Sterling Thompson. Yeah, Thompson just has you know an innate combination of power, bats, of ball skills. Um, You can make an argument he was one of the best sort of uh, hitters, you know, statistically in in the draft.
1: yeah. That's what I thought. I, I mean, I, yeah. you know, people were, I think people maybe on some of the public scouting reports I read, uh, were unsure about how much power was coming, but I, I, I love the fact that the hit tools as far along as it already is.
2: Yeah. There's, 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 I think that, you know, um, the power hit 11 homers, um, that will still come, you know, he's not maxed out yet. Uh, you know, decent body to project. He's strong. Um, He doesn't swing and miss and he walks, um, high end hit tool. And I tend to trust guys like that, tend to believe in players like that, especially guys that have played in high level conferences, you know, um, he's got a 9.54 OPS over his career, you know, over 120 games with Florida, uh, was a draft eligible sophomore. So he's another college, uh, uh, hitter. We're like, yeah, I mean, um, I'm totally, totally in, uh, on that one. Like, you know, hundred percent for sure. I like Drew Gilbert too. It's kind of an, another aside. And then Xavier Isaacs is interesting because we got some information throughout the night that, um, Tampa thought that, uh, there was another team that was in on Isaacs within the top 50 the next, before the next time that, that Tampa drafted. And, um, uh, or what we, it was, it was before they were going to, they were going to pick again. And, they sort of knew they had to make this deal happen. And I think what they did was they'll probably sign Brock Jones for like an overslot deal in the second and move some of that bonus money around. But, you know, in terms of the blast data that I've seen um, and uh, bat speed data, like all that sort of stuff, like it's crazy power. Yeah. Um, He could be a really exciting hitting prospect. So like, yeah, maybe it's off the board because you're not going to rank like, high school first baseman with power like within your top 70 players most of the time like just nowhere is um i think we had him at like 90 91 uh in our in our top 500 so like he was like you know a top three-round guy we knew he was good um but it's just a tough profile but it's the mechanics of the draft and what's what makes the mlb draft sort of interesting in in this bonus pool era is how the sort of the money gets moved around and shaped and you know, some, some picks get made. So guys have that va- uh, are able to, to get value at another round, uh, and move some money along. And, uh, it's what, it's what makes the board so difficult to mock versus maybe other sports where you're probably pretty sure on top 10 picks sometimes within, you know, the day or so, uh, leading up to the draft, sometimes deals are even announced and just doesn't seem to happen in baseball. You know?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I, I don't have the data that you have on on Isaac, but uh, I mean, it's it's almost one of those things where you don't even need I don't even need the data because I yeah. can just sort of see I can see how hard exactly it's all and it's just like holy crap, um, yeah. So I mean, I and yeah, it's just that that's such a it's such a fantasy over reality profile, but I think the fact that he. Um, and obviously things will change. Like we'll get more data on these guys once they, the, the hitters at least once they start playing in games. And if, if he goes out and just uh, destroys complex league pitching yeah. uh, this summer, you you aren't going to be able to get him uh, at a steal necessarily. But I mean, I, I could see him hitting enough uh, the rest of the season where he's the guy that people are considering in the top 10 of, of first year player jazz, just because that, that power is just so uh you know, it, it's it's really tough to to find someone else in this class that has that type of uh, power potential.
2: There's some really. I, I honestly think the depth of this of this particular draft is the college hitting. Um, you know, I think it was better than last year's, and more often than not, if that is the strength of uh, uh, or the foundational strength, we'll say in numbers of uh, uh, a draft class, I tend to think it translates pretty well to FYPD because then you get. Mm-hmm. A lot of value down the board. You get guys that maybe they're not superstars, but they could fit major league roles long-term and potentially contribute or just have value like a top 200 to 250 prospect, especially, you know, as we play in deeper and deeper dynasty formats. Those guys have a little bit more value, especially if they're guys that move quickly or they're guys that break out. Look at Zach elof
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a class where obviously you want a chance at Drew Jones, but I mean, I, I'd love to have multiple second round picks in a first year player draft or even, you know, a, a second round pick and two third round picks or something like that. Cause there's just, there's going to be, uh, so much talent available into the thirties. Uh, and obviously you're going to get someone that you might've ranked, you know, 20th, you might yeah. be able to get that guy at pick like 42 or something. Um, so I'm, I'm excited. This is a really, really fun class, Jeff. I'm, I'm really excited that, uh, you're able to to hop on uh, in your busy schedule. Uh, is there anything you want to promote that you got going on at at B uh, at BA?
2: Yeah, um, you know we did a ton of content for the Futures Game. Uh, we're gonna have a ton of interviews coming out with players that should be pretty good. A lot of insight there. Every single pitcher I went through their entire pitch mix and got grips. So we're going to have and they put them up to the camera and we have some zoom ins and stuff like that. So that should be really good. Um, You know, just working my Cape stuff. So obviously hitting on all that stuff right now. And uh, (laughs) I have my kids fighting upstairs. I think that's great. Um, (laughs) So I have uh, the Cape All-Star game coming up this weekend. So I'm looking forward to to being out there and uh, I'll be on the field for the Home Run Derby and BP probably doing some interviews as well. Plus i have all the the great Cape video that I, I put out um, when I'm at games. So I'll be back doing that. Um, and then we had a ton of draft content and we're going to have a lot of draft wrap up content coming out. And then as these guys sign, we're going to have them out of the top thirties. And Oh, by the way, before we flew out to, to California the week prior, we had just finished updating all of our, our team top 30 boards in preparation for the draft and the trade deadline. So go and read them now because as these players sign, some of the guys at the back end who are top 30 worthy are going to have to get bumped right with some of these top picks. So um, we have so much sort of like there and sort of hanging out that it's uh, it's, it's, it's so much content we've been crushing it over the last couple of weeks. Thanks for having me on, man. Dude. I'm, I'm so
1: excited. Uh, the content's been great. Um, I love reading everything you're doing over there and uh, I'll be back uh, next week with the uh, mailbag episode. And uh I'm hoping that the top 400 update will be done, uh, in time for that. Um, but, uh, but we'll see on that, but, uh, it's going to be really fun. It's going to be a big time update. Uh, thanks for everyone for for watching and for listening and, uh, we're we'll back next week.